Here we are again with another episode of the Cross Purpose Podcast. This is your host, Michael Teddy, and joining me today is my co-host, Ashok Mohanakumar. Good to have you, Ashok. Yes, great to be back. So, predestination. Now, here's a word that is making its round in a lot of Christian circles. What is it all about? What does predestination mean? Well, listen in because that's what this podcast is all about. At TCP, we believe that theology matters, the Bible matters. And if you believe it too, then join us every week as we explore the word of God with a desire to know him and his purposes in our lives. If you want to write in your questions, suggestions, or whatever else you want to write in, our email is thexpurpose at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to answer your questions. And so whatever you may have, even if it's suggestions, we want to hear from you, please do write in. And so with that, let's begin our episode. So, Ashok, what is predestination? Yes, I should have gotten a bigger cup of coffee for this one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what is predestination? It means determining beforehand. As simple as that. And nothing complicated that was easy. about it. That was easy. Pre destine so predestination well you have destination and the time when that was uh, decided upon so i mean like it's predetermined in that sense right so predestination it simply means determining beforehand now do you want me to explain the theological term predestination or <laughs> okay yeah i guess so because that yeah. is that is the word that's going about now so yes many that's the word that's going on yeah and Predestination is a controversial topic. It ought not be, as far as I can understand it, but I can understand why it is yet. And I, I do not know countless um, uh, Bible studies where young people come and gather, uh, especially the, you know, the, the Bible studies held by colleges and college groups and inter-college groups and all that. Um, it doesn't matter what the topic was about, what the conversations were about. It doesn't matter what the speaker who was called to preach said preached upon. You, you're going to have that one guy who is going to ask, what about predestination? Right? So yeah. it's a hot topic. And uh, yeah. So uh, when it comes to predestination, I think at least uh, uh, we know it's in the scripture because in Romans uh, 29, 30 and uh, Romans 8, 29, 30, as well as Ephesians 1, we have the script, uh, this word being used by Paul. Right? And here's the thing. It is as simple as that, predestination. It says God predestined you. Uh, um, so in Romans 8, 29, it goes like this. For those God who God foreknew, he also predestined to be confirmed in the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and so on. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. It's basically saying God had pre destined you predetermined you to be saved and predestined you to be to conform to the likeness of his son your justification your sanctification your glorification all those things god had determined it your path your future your life and everything it's uh, put it like that it's really simple it's it's as simple as that so god is sovereignly in control of your life your story um your eternal destination um, um yeah and every every single aspect of your life well, yeah, and I doesn't that mean that 
then what is the purpose of my life? Because if everything is predetermined, if everything is predestined, then uh, what's the purpose of living? What's what's where is where am I in all this? Uh, is that it? I keep getting the hard questions. You keep putting me on the spot. <laughs> it's the good thing about being the host. Yeah, yeah. So it's let's just let me just say uh, what Paul says in Romans nine and ten. In Romans nine, Paul goes on to talk about how um, uh, Jacob and Esau, Esau, uh, both were kid. Uh, well, both were in their uh, from the time they were in their mother's womb, and before that, God had already determined that the younger shall serve the older one, right? Before they had done anything, before they had uh, taken uh, the first breath, or before they were conceived, God had determined this for them. And Paul goes on to speak about how, uh, you know, God has a complete rule and authority and power over deciding uh, which uh, vessels will be vessels for good purpose and vessels for destruction, meaning who would be those people God has set apart for good works or, uh, you know, for eternal glorification. But uh, or and also uh, those people who will not be saved, who will be who are set forth uh, to on the course to eternal damnation. After talking about it, he goes into Romans 10, come, talks about responsibility of human beings to walk according to faith. Right? And then he goes on to say even things uh, like uh, uh, talking about evangelism and why it is important to have evangelists and why you should share the word of God. If they do not hear, how will they know? Right? And how beautiful are the feet of those who carry the truth of gospel and so on. Paul doesn't bother to tie up these truths. He gives you truths as it is. God is sovereignly control of everything. Let God take care of it. We don't have to bother about it in the sense that we don't have to work out how exactly it works. Now, right now, am I? Uh, I'm talking to you, exercising. Let's call it free will. Exercising my free will in the sense I'm free to do this. I'm happy to do this. Nobody is come. Uh, you know, there's no compulsion to do this. This is me doing it, right? In control of my body. And ex- but I know exactly where I am today, this position, everything is predestined by God and His sovereign will. Nothing, none of this is by accident. How that works together, I have absolutely no clue. But it's awesome that God can do things that we don't understand. Right. And, and you know, it's, it's just such a hot topic uh, nowadays. Uh, we hear about a lot of youngsters talking about it. Yeah. And I want people listening in to, to know that um, this is a word that has been difficult for for many of us to come to terms with right how how did you first come to terms with it i came to terms i came to terms with uh, predestination on my knees i like to say that i became a calvinist on knees because i was having a struggle accepting these truths as it is now here's the thing if i don't play games with the bible if i don't do origami as in you know fold certain parts of the bible conveniently to avoid those parts and take the simple truths of the scripture as it presents, it's really hard to escape the truth of predestination. You have to play mental gymnastics in order to, uh, you know, get over it. Um, but then, here is the thing, our uh, mind and our flesh, our unsanctified uh, flesh is hostile to God. So there's a part of us, uh, like Paul says, his mind wants something else, but his flesh wants something else, that kind of a struggle. You don't want to accept it. Oh, what? There is somebody going to be autonomously in control of me? Now, that was the first sin also, if you think about it. Uh, what happens in the garden? God is in complete control, but um, autonomy is what... Um, is that a word? Autonomy? Autonomous. <laughs> yeah, you made it up. Yeah, the, well, Puritans did that. Why can't I? <laughs> but yeah, so the autonomy <laughs> is uh, what the uh, people wanted in the garden. Um, um, 
Adam and Eve. So similarly, we are not happy with the idea that God is in complete control of our life and our, our destination. So right. yeah, so that uh, yeah, so for me it was um, nothing changed. I knew this truth. I was just not willing to accept it. And suddenly, hey, God is in control of your life, and right. all these things He works together for my good. Yeah. Who yeah. else would I rather have in control of my life? Right. I will make. I will mess it up. If I am yeah. given com- complete or non autom- autonomous control over my life, right. so it's uh, it's it's good, yeah. Yeah, man, and you know when I'm, you know, we we as a church, we went through the entire book of Romans, and you know, we we did it in over a year, and um, it was it was really beautiful to to study the book of Romans, and so as you said, the word predestination, as it occurs in the Bible, it is inescapable. Yeah, you really have to deal with what it means, and the thing that I want to encourage people listening into to recognize is there are many things in Scripture that we hold with tension, right? God is sovereign, and man is responsible is one of those things, right? So when we say God predestined and predetermined and chose those whom He will save, we we are, you know, we are at that place. We wonder. How can that be? Then if God didn't choose me, then I'm not saved. What do I do? And I think what Ashok is trying to say is that's not what we are called to deal with. Yeah. And that, that's precisely why Paul just goes ahead and says, look, he's sovereign. He predetermines, he chooses, he does all things according to the full counsel and the purpose of his will. And you're responsible to respond to his call. And we're not supposed necessarily to resolve the mystery of how these things work together. Yeah. And and but I but I I want to go back and kind of help people understand why predestination is so crucial to salvation. Like you cannot be saved without predestination, yeah. uh, and we see that heavily in the Book of Romans, and we, we see it throughout the Bible. Think about this: no one could have preached more effectively than Jesus. Yeah. No one could have said the right words that was necessary to be said to move people's hearts than Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if salvation finally and ultimately depended upon people's choice, then you have a helpless Jesus preaching. <laughs> Because no matter what Jesus would say or the right words he would use, there were people rejecting him. But Jesus responds to that in the book of John. I think it's in John 6, 33. Um, Uh, you can look it up and uh, while i'm talking <laughs> and correct me if i'm wrong where jesus really says you cannot come to me unless the father who sent me draws you to me he doesn't use any other reason when people reject him right he doesn't am i right with the verse I, I think right. uh, um, John six thirty nine is talking about yeah as I suspected it is all that the Father has given me uh, I shall not uh, no John six thirty three John six thirty three okay could be it is one of those passages John yeah 10, 10, 10, 10. Um, no, <laughs> no <it's laughs> for the bread of God <laughs> yeah you can look up the verse and you, you go on yeah <laughs> so so when Jesus comes upon that situation he doesn't give any other explanation he doesn't give any other explanation as to why people aren't receiving him he doesn't he doesn't say it's because you did not choose me or he doesn't say any of those things his simple answer to them is you are rejecting me because the father is not drawing you 
Nobody. What is the wages of sin? Death. And you, you add it all up. He goes on in Romans 8 to say that for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. Indeed, it cannot please God. It cannot. It is unable to please God. You take verse and scripture portion after scripture portion. You begin to find that the only way man can be saved is through external uh an external force right and and an external intrusion to save him because man in his sin is so hostile to towards god he does not want god he wants to reject god and grace is such that god is able to penetrate and save man now if you say that we don't need predestination then god has to save people based upon their responses yeah. right and we cannot respond we do not respond jesus preached and people did not respond and so you need god to work and how paul and the whole of the bible elaborates how that happens is through this thing called predestination because god has predestined in ephesians 1 read before the we read that it's before the foundations of the earth was laid he predestined I think mm-hmm. when we were studying the book of Romans I was saying how Romans 1 to I think it's Romans 1 to 8 yeah. is 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 really a hard theological language it's a struggle of two and fro's and yeah. you really have to apply your mind to it and your head to it and yeah. people don't want to do that right people say it's too hard the book of romans is too hard and they don't want to apply wait, themselves wait, i think i think this is what you're saying romans 1 to 8 is hard language but simple truth to accept right but romans right, 9 yeah right. right that's what you're saying but romans 9 is a uh, simple language straightforward language but very but hard, hard truth to accept, to, yeah. to accept yeah and yeah. so we approach it in totally different angles right so um so so i think it's important for people to recognize when you approach romans 9 If you approach the Bible with a preconceived notion of how God ought to work, mm-hmm. then you're going to find it very difficult. You have to receive how God works from scripture, and scripture is very clear about the fact that God is the one. Jesus said, "You did not choose me, but I chose you, that you might go forth and bear much fruit." That's the simple truth of scripture. And you find it everywhere. You know, I I like it how uh, when Paul writes to Timothy, He, he 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 writes to timothy and he says uh, i think it's in second timothy 2:10 i think he says yeah second timothy 2:10 therefore i endure everything for the sake of the elect okay i endure everything for the sake of the elect that they also may obtain the salvation that is in christ jesus with eternal glory <laughs> yeah right <laughs> so so he is he is working he is enduring everything for the sake of the elect who are yet to obtain salvation mm-hmm. 
right? So they're elect before they are saved, right? And yeah. so we begin to see that God has predetermined those mm -hmm. whom he is going to save. Now, Ashok, the struggle people have here is how can this be biblical? How can this be something that um, we can accept as being the, the, the work of God? Because <laughs> then there, there's nothing left for us to do. What do we do if we're not chosen? What do we do if we're not the elect? Yeah, I think there are there's two approaches, right? I mean, one would be like, so it's all pointless. Why would God blame me? Uh, to which in Romans 9, Paul says, who are you, O man, to question God, right? And if that's not the case, if it's genuine confusion and you're trying to figure out how the whole counsel of God works, and it's it's a good thing, right? A man of God should be equipped in um, all, all these good things through the uh, uh, through training, through understanding the scripture, because the whole counsel of God is what prepares you for all that, to uh, try and understand that. So if that's the case, um, to your question, that what do we do in this whole thing is we do what the scripture asks us to do. It's to simply put it. Um, say, the, there are truths such as predestination. We look at the scripture and see what we are supposed to do with those truths. right? And uh, for example, I'll give you a pra practical uh, um, use of predestination and election that is being used in Malachi uh, first chapter. Um, in Malachi first chapter, when he's uh, talking to Israelites, he starts by... Uh, just saying this, I have loved you. Right before bringing them to repentance and before telling them that uh, there's a forerunner who's about to come, um, you know all those warnings and giving them due warnings. He starts by telling them, I have loved you. The first thing that he uses to call them to repentance, and he goes on to talk about how people of Esau have gone into destruction, people under Jacob have gone into prosperity that God has given them. Right. So he brings in election and to say that I have loved you. Now come to repentance. Let me give you correction. Um, so God uses that love the, the, the fact that he has chosen you is one here's the thing w what do we do with it? the first thing is that it means that he loves me it means that I have been given something for free so gratitude love uh, joy all those responses are birthed uh, in response to that nowhere in the scripture does is predestination used as a as something that you have to figure out and we have to do something out of it. So the scripture doesn't require us to do that. Uh, it doesn't require us to go into the mind of God and uh, try to think how he thinks. We can't do that. So yeah, I think this is one angle I'll take. I'm sure you'll have more to... Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, absolutely. I, I was just thinking, there's so much, so many verses we can go to. There are so many angles we can approach this in. And you will find consistency throughout the Bible in understanding this. Um, I used to give this example where I used to say that um, we are really dealing with God's free will and man's free will. Mm -hmm. And do we even need to debate whose will is greater and more free? You know, we keep talking about free will. I love how um, John MacArthur explains in one of his videos where he says that um, we are free like a prisoner is free in jail. He is free in the confines of a prison, right? So you can say he has free will, but he doesn't have the free will of the people outside him. Mm -hmm. So he's not really free, is he? And so we live in a world in the confines of sin and corruption and brokenness. And the mm -hmm. Bible simply says that we are like dead men. Mm -hmm. 
the bible never talks about an unbeliever or person away from god we, we as we are man. dead in our trespasses not even a simile right we are dead right. in our trespasses we are dead in our trespasses so the bible speaks about coming to life in jesus christ as coming from death to life not from sickness to health right so you don't you don't you know like they say you don't you don't throw a life vest at a you know you throw a life vest as at, at a man who's drowning but yeah. that's not the gospel because the gospel says you're not drowning you're drowned at the bottom of the ocean and you're dead mm-hmm. you don't throw life vest at a dead man right and the, the example is lazarus right mm-hmm. jesus does not stand in front of lazarus's tomb and say lazarus come forth and lazarus choose whether or not to come forth Yeah, yeah and so that's the picture the bible constantly draws and i think what we need to understand is god is the only true being in the universe who is truly free mm-hmm. he is not bound by anything anybody any circumstance any situation and he is free and in order to save a humanity that is corrupted in sin he predetermines to do so and now the struggle there is well why does he choose only a few and why doesn't he choose a whole lot of people and god's and paul simply answered answers it by saying doesn't god have the freedom to do that mm-hmm. right because if he is the potter mm-hmm. as we read in romans 9 he is free to make from the same lump of clay vessels of mercy and vessels of destruction yeah, yeah. and so what we need to understand is this whole sequence works the other way around when we think about god predetermining we can't say it's unfair we can't say god uh, why would you only choose a few the point is god doesn't have to choose anybody and we all deserve yeah. hell yeah. because we have sinned against him and we are a people in corruption in sin and god is holy and he hates sin and the point is the fact that he even chooses to save a few is mercy and it is grace and grace is unmerited favor right you don't deserve it and grace demanded is never grace for it is something that you cannot demand so if there's anything to this picture it is a picture of a corrupt world going to hell going to the full judgment of god's wrath because we have sinned against him and god in his mercy has predestined to save a remnant for himself and that's the pattern we've always seen god work in the bible and so when we see predestination we are not appalled we rejoice and when we see that the means by which god saves is that we give our lives to him confess our sins confess him as lord and savior with our mouth repent with our hearts and there is so much that we are called to do we do it joyfully and paul just says that beneath all of these things is the sovereign hand of god that is working how these two things work together we don't know that's not where we get stuck by but brothers and sisters what we all need to remember i love how uh, tim keller said the statement we can never unelect ourselves because we never elected ourselves to begin yeah. with to yeah. say that if he that is why paul is able to say in philippians he who began a good work in us will perfect it unto completion uh, work out your salvation in fear and trembling for it is god who is at work in you to will and to work for his good pleasure so in every sense of it we have hope as christians because 
of God's predestination because he will choose and he will keep how he does that and how we understand how it fits into our uh, responsibility. We don't need to know that. We can trust the Bible when, he's, when it says that God is sovereign. We trust the Bible when it says that we must repent and run to him. So when we do what we are called to do, at the end of the day, as we read in Ephesians 1, we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And that is not our own doing, lest no man may boast. Absolutely. To say that we do all these things, we have faith, we receive grace and we worship him. But we recognize that in doing so, we are able to do only because he was able to pour his love into our hearts. He chose to pour his love into our hearts by his own free volition of choosing us before the foundation of mm -hmm. the earth. I'm sorry to uh, cut it short, Ashok. We are running out of time. But is there any last thought you want to add? That was you cutting it short. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, uh, nothing additional to that. Uh, yeah, I think you covered uh, base and also uh, the whole base. And yeah, I, I think that would be it. Yeah, how we're supposed to look at predestination. We do our responsibility. We do our part. And uh, and we will do this in fear and trembling. And finally, we go into heavens and see it was not I, but Christ through me. And, yes. and it is going to be joyful. We're going to be happy with that outcome there in heavens. And... Uh, it, it also kind of lifts the whole burden off our shoulders, right? In a sense, yes. Jesus will work it out so we can depend on him. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. And uh, so all of you who are listening in today to this very crucial topic, I'm sure that there are questions. So we want you to write in to us and we look forward to you writing into us. So again, write in your questions so we can answer them. We can spend time talking. And if and if this is helpful and these podcasts are helping you, we praise God it, it does. And we that is why we're doing it. And so write in to us your suggestions, questions, whatever else at thexpurpose at gmail.com. Uh, join us next week, of course for the continued podcast and we strive where we strive to inform minds and reform hearts through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Our podcasts are available on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Radio Republic, and Radio Public and Breaker and many more to come. Um, let me just close with a word of prayer. Heavenly gracious Father, we thank you so much for this time. In this most crucial topic, Lord, of predestination that Paul speaks about, that we see throughout scripture. We pray that you would give wisdom to us in understanding and believing your truth and trusting the Bible for all that it is worth. In Jesus' name we pray. Until next time, the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep each one of you.